so we started off jan uh, because because the clients were uh, they had reinvested their profits now the capital was higher so uh, we were looking at somewhere around 1.3 1.4 billion dollar fund and uh, we started reinvesting with it started taking larger positions uh, you know in the same uh, stocks because we found that those stocks are still the best and then the markets went really choppy and we actually by the end of march 2012 we had lost all the profits that we had generated in the previous year hello fellow risk takers and welcome to my worst investment ever stories of loss to keep you winning in our community, we know that to win in investing, you must take risks. But to win big, you've got to reduce it. My name is Andrew Stotts from A. Stotts Investment Research, and I'm here with featured guest Pashin Katpitiya. I'm terrible on those names, but I try my best. But Pashin, are you ready to rock? Absolutely. Let's do it. All right. So, Pashin is a third-generation entrepreneur, stock trader, and a technocrat. Pashin is a highly disciplined trader who focuses on market realities at all times. And if you look at him, he looks like he's got a lot of experience. You don't see him because you're listening, but I'm looking. He got a lot of experience in the market because I see some little gray hairs on his, on his beard there. So I suspect he's highly disciplined. Now, Pashin is committed to the growth of the investor and trading community and has trained thousands of novices and experts. Pashin has developed real-time trading systems and is a point of reference for many traders seeking support. Pashin and the co-founders of Inspiron have recently developed a fully algo-driven rating and curation app for stocks and commodities that provides innovative features like triple-layer market outlook for short, medium, and long-term, as well as star rating for each stock listed on the exchanges in India. The app is called Shazfa, which in, what did you say in Hindi? Urdu. 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 In Urdu means success and will be available on the App Store and Play Store shortly. So, Pashin, take a minute and fill in any further tidbits about your life. Well, uh, I'm based uh, out of Mumbai, born and brought up here. Actually, an engineer who landed up in the stock market. So, I have no financial background. Found it really uh, interesting to develop, to trade systematically and you know, invest wisely. I'm happy that I've been able to help so many people do the same. I'm curious. I meet a lot of people who are engineers who say, I'm thinking of going to work in the stock market or in finance. And I have my advice for them for doing that. But what would be your one piece of advice for the young person who's a good engineering student or they're working in engineering, but they think, I want to work in finance or I want to trade the stock market? What, did, what one piece of advice would you give them? My experience goes that engineers, doctors, housewives, and students from any field are excellent. They are better stock traders and investors than the pros because they really don't carry a lot of baggage while the pros do carry a lot of baggage uh, mentally. The stock market is for everybody. It is, it's designed to be that. And uh, if you're not investing in the stock market, you're really working for money. Your money, money is not working. Fantastic. So do invest, do invest. Absolutely. Okay, that's great. So, all right. Well, now it's time to share your worst investment ever. And since uh, no one goes into their worst investment thinking it will be, tell us a bit about the circumstances <laughs> leading up to it and then tell us your story. I see your pain already. Go ahead. 
<laughs> well, well, it's worse than it's the best because it's it taught me a lot. So this goes back uh, to the period somewhere between 2010 and 2012. So I started fund management in around 2010, around May of 2010, and uh, I actually inherited a fund uh, from a previous fund manager who didn't perform well, and the fund was already down 40 percent. So I was actually let left with a 60 percent uh, capital and. Uh, it was difficult but because i had a system to follow i just went by the system and not by my personal feelings because what happens is generally when you are in a loss it becomes very difficult for you to try and find new trades and even if you find new trades it's very difficult for you to mentally invest in that because you not only have lost your financial capital you have also lost your mental capital i followed the system and i invested it was a decent size fund too small by global standards but still about about a million dollars or so i invested in a total of four stocks and these four stocks helped me recover the losses and generate some profit in the first year so 2010 to 2011 was very good because i could recover the losses and uh, we were back to square one and then the clients got a lot of confidence and they said let's continue so it was a great feeling you know as a fund manager you feel great when you recovered somebody's losses uh, you know it's a greater feeling than you actually you generate profits because here you have somebody's lost money and you help them recover it then uh, as it goes 2011 again started off on a good note i came in and out of a few investments but on the whole i was just riding three stocks uh, for about a period of about 8 months i was riding only three stocks so if somebody would wake me up at 2 am in the night and ask me which stocks are you invested in i would go on without a without a, a whisker that this these are the three stocks that i am invested in currently and uh, 2011 december we decided that since we have generated a good profit the profit for that year was about 40% we decided to you know take out the profits and distribute it to the investors the investors were on a high you know because just last year they were in loss and they recovered their loss and this year they were like you're looking at a 40% profit so most of the investors said you know what let's reinvest the money just keep trading let's reinvest the money we were very confident i said let's do it so we started off 2012 and that is where the real story starts because as soon as 2012 started and in january the markets got real choppy uh, before you go on i want to stop you for a second because you're one of the guests who have really done exactly what i've asked which is tell us a bit about the circumstances leading up to it i right. love i love where you're at right now because that confidence is real that right. confidence you, you deserve that but that confidence doesn't always assure that your next move is going to be a profitable move so absolutely continue. absolutely so we started off jan uh, because because the clients were uh, they had reinvested their profits now the capital was higher so we were looking at somewhere around 1.3 1.4 billion dollar fund and uh, we started reinvesting we started taking larger positions Uh, you know in the same uh, stocks because we found that those stocks are still the best and then the markets went really choppy and we actually by the end of march 2012 we had lost all the profits that we had generated in the previous year so that was that moment was a real you know a wake up call for me that the markets can go wrong it was only thanks to the system that i followed that i used to keep stop losses and i was uh, pretty much uh, you know uh, left with the capital intact i only lost the profits that were generated in the earlier years but uh, the fact is the markets can go you know uh, absolutely opposite to what 
you are expecting it to. And because I had increased my position size, my losses were magnified. So while reinvesting your returns is a good thing, it can also be counterproductive in case you haven't managed your risk well. So we went on, we still continued to trade in 2012. And uh, 2012 was a really choppy year. And we actually ended up losing another 18% or so on the capital. So by the end of 2012, we were left with you know uh, a little less than uh, what we uh, the capital was. But the clients were still okay. We co- Of course, uh, later on, going on, we covered the losses in 2014 and then we had some fantastic returns then but the point here was that you know it brought me to a stage where i really thought is my system working that's a question that most people are faced with when they come across this this kind of a scenario and and i would like to ask you at that point i mean i'm fascinated by this story what's the process that goes on in your head or went on in your head at that time like uh, should i change my system uh, should I double down and say, no, this is the right. I just said it's got a losing period. You know, no system could win every time, right? What was the process that was going on in your head in the heat of the time that you were losing that, you know, the gains that you had gotten? Right. So usually what happens is we, most traders, most investors, they carry, uh, most people who manage funds, they carry some kind of a stop loss. They maintain some kind of a technical level as well as, a number level, you know, that if this is the maximum drawdown, I will exit all my position. At times, you really ask yourself, do you really need to put a stop loss? Because the market's taking your stop loss and then going up again. And then you enter again at a higher price and it's again taking your stop loss and again going up again. So, you know, in the whiplashes that follow, you really tend to ask yourself, do I really need to follow the system or should I be doing something on my own? Because just like in normal life, just like when you are at a toll booth, the line that you are in moves the slowest. So similarly, in the stock market, the stock that you are invested in, that moves the slowest. (laughs) That doesn't tend to move. Yeah, and I jumped into a line yesterday at the subway (laughs) here in Bangkok. I thought it was a faster one. And then the person at the turnstile got all (laughs) caught up and they they didn't have their things. And then we all had to wait behind it. You stay in the one that's, that you're in and it feels like, oh, this is the longest one. Then you move this, to another this one. Is the longest. <laughs> so wrap up this, this story and then tell us the lessons that you learned from it. So I think the reason it did not end up to be the worst investment ever was because I continued to stay in the market. I think that was the number one thing that pulled me through is that you keep invested, you calculate your risk, manage your risk well, and just keep invested. There are times when the market is not in your favor. There are times, but the thing is that you need to be consistent in your approach to the market. And I can, uh, you know, I can look back and count on two or three things. One is when do intend to reinvest your profit, reinvest them in a different, if you're doing stocks, you should maybe invest it in commodities like metal or crude or, you know, some other sector. Or if you want to reinvest in stocks, you can buy some other stocks, not invest in the same ones again. Second is that uh, a stop loss is a must. There is absolutely no denying it. But your stop loss cannot be consistent, cannot be the same level. You have to alter your stop loss based on the current market volatility. And that is something I follow till date today, is that you have to see the current market volatility and you have to keep the stop loss at that particular level. If the stop loss is too low, then what I do generally is I pass the trade. I don't take that trade. If the stop loss is within my limit, I do take that trade and you know go ahead. 
So that's a few takeaways that I have uh, received. I still have some questions I want to ask yeah, you. Sure. A few of them. First one is that you talked about a very small number of stocks in your portfolio. What role does diversification play in your methodology nowadays? So that's one question. Let's get your answer on that. Yeah. So your diversification uh, actually depends on your capital. So anybody who has a capital of, say, about two, three thousand, five thousand dollars $5,000, a very small investor, you know, the typical man on the street, he shouldn't be looking at more than three, four stocks. For somebody who has a larger capital, say, up to $100,000, I would say you don't need more than eight to 10 stocks. And then if you're a very large fund, you should still limit yourself to 20 stocks. Because what happens is the more stocks you get invested in, you know, you are diversifying your risk, but you are also diversifying your returns. So all of those stocks have to do well in order for your fund or your, for your portfolio to do well. So your level of diversification depends on your capital. Great. And then the other question I had was about the stop loss and volatility. Let's try to put it into simple terms for the audience. Let's imagine that we're going to buy a stock that's at 100 and we're going to put in a stop loss, let's just say uh, at 80. I don't know. That's too low. (laughs) Okay, so so what stop loss would you say? So ideally, your stop loss should not be more than 2% of your entire capital or 5% of the capital that you're investing in that particular stock. If I would, your place, I would see a maximum stop loss of somewhere around 94, 95. Okay. For for the short to medium term. If you're a real long term, maybe about 90. Okay, got it. And then when you talk about the volatility in the market or the market conditions, right? there's times when the market's just kind of, really stable. And there's other times when the markets are really volatile. Right, right. So for the beginner investor out there, if you know that it's a really stable time, right. you should have a stop loss that's where, let's just take that over a long term for this stock, we're going to say 95. But in a really stable time or in a really volatile time, how should they adjust that? So in a, say in, a, in the stable times, there is usually no problem because your stop loss, your stop loss levels are around 96, 97 or so. But during the volatile times, if the stop loss level, say, goes to 85 or 80, in that case, you shouldn't take the trade. That's what I do personally, because what happens is you're already sort of calculating more risk than you can take. So in those kinds of scenarios, I think it's better to avoid the trade, look for trades. There's no need to you know, get married to a stock. Mm. That's that's the term that we use. You don't need to get married to the stock. Yeah, you can just have an on and off relationship where the stock is good, you are invested, the stock turns bad, you are out of it. Got it. Okay. So let me summarize what I take away from this story. The first thing is use the word mental capital. Right. That's the first time I've heard it referred to like that, but I like that because, and you could say emotional capital too. Like the idea is that we have a certain amount of, stores of energy. (laughs) And sometimes those can be depleted because of the situation and it's confidence that could be depleted. It's the thinking power and the the ability to step back and think clearly about things can sometimes be depleted. And it's usually right in the middle of that crisis time. So I think that's a very important point that I take away from it is understanding that we are human and these things have real impacts on us. Uh, The other thing is you talked about different levels of stock ownership based upon the size of the capital. You said about, let's say, for a person with 100,000 US or something along that line, maybe eight to 10 stocks. 
which fits because you also said something that I, I wrote an academic paper about this called uh, 10 Stocks Are Enough in Asia. And what wow. I did is, is I looked at the risk and return trade-off because what most people think about is, yeah, I'm going to reduce my risk, but you're also reducing your probability of outperformance. So very quickly, if you get to 20 or 30 stocks, chances are the performance of your portfolio is going to be the same as an ETF, let's say, or an Absolutely. index fund. Absolutely. The only time that you get up to that 20 in that case is if you just have so much capital that you have to, you know, you have to own those 20. And then, of course, there's, there are fund managers out there that own 100 stocks. In those cases, I suspect it would be very hard for them to outperform. So understanding that the diversification benefits and where those benefits end is a valuable takeaway from this. So those are the two things that I get. Is there anything you'd add to that? Yeah, so just adding to uh, your point on the mental capital, the only way you can preserve your mental capital if you actually work hard towards preserving your financial capital. And you can do that only by being super selective about stocks. Don't invest in illiquid stocks. Don't invest in stocks that uh, you know you know or you can feel are being manipulated or uh, you know or being traded otherwise. So try to find the best stocks. You out of thousands of stocks that are listed in the markets, you need five. You need ten. So you know, just like you spend half of your life searching for your life partner. You know, that's, that's the same way you should be searching for stocks. That's, that's my uh, two cents on it. <laughs> Fantastic. And uh, that's great, great advice. So now the next question is the last question, which is what is your number one goal for the next 12 months? Well, uh, I've been uh, trying to, uh, you know, since I've been developing uh, this new system, I've been trying to get someone else to manage my portfolio the same way I would do. And uh, that's been a real challenge because most people find it really difficult to have a mechanical way of trading where you really completely remove the emotions. So my real goal for the next 12 months is to be completely uh, emotionless, just keep trading, just assign a capital, turn on the switch and let it go. Let, and we'll take stock of it after a year or so. Fantastic. Well, that and listeners out there, there's all types of investors that are doing many, many different styles. You've got somebody that just says, I'm going to only focus on fundamentals. Someone that says, I'm only going to focus on the price movement. Somebody that combines those things. But the key takeaway from my perspective is that you need to pick the method that fits your personality and your thinking process. And here we we heard from the beginning of the story, right? That Pashin is an engineer. So it kind of makes sense that having a structured way of trading fits what makes sense to you. So I think that's a great lesson for a takeaway. Great. Well, listeners, there you have it. Another story of loss to keep you winning. To find more stories like this, previous episodes and resources to help you reduce your risk, visit myworstinvestmentever.com. As we wrap up, Pashin, thank you again for coming on the show. I know it's painful talking about our losers. but Absolutely not. It was fun. (laughs) Yeah, we're learning now. Do you have any parting words for the audience? My two cents would be, you have to be invested in the stock market. And since you have to, you better do it wisely. Beautiful. Very clear. And ladies and gentlemen, make sure to check out the show notes to learn more about what he's doing because there's a lot going on. So that's a wrap on another great story to help you create, grow, and protect your wealth. Fellow risk takers, I'll see you on the upside.